This is Upstate's HealthLink on air. Linda Cohen here with you. Well, New York's success in curbing the abuse of prescription opioid drugs has a dark side. A dangerous resurgence of heroin is a cheaper, more widely available, and deadlier substitute. The growing crisis of heroin has hit New York with a vengeance. And here with more on all of this is Dr. Ross Sullivan. He's the director of the Medical Toxicology Consultation Service and assistant professor in the Department of Emergency Medicine at Upstate Medical University. Welcome, Dr. Sullivan. Thanks so much for coming in. Thank you for having me. So heroin is on the rise in central New York and in the country in general, and the statistics are staggering. Tell me about that. Yeah, we're seeing a very scary uh, rise in heroin, um, not just locally, but nationally. Um, we've actually, it's been slowly increasing since the early 2000s, I think, as in general, pain pill use has also been increasing. But over the past several years, we've seen a real um, increase in of heroin uh, use and heroin death. Um, we've seen uh, heroin um, deaths quadruple over just the past 10 years, um, and most of that is really within the past just several years. Interestingly, in Onondaga County, we find that we have some of the highest rates of opioid deaths in the country. And when I say opioids, you know, I'm talking about a family of, um, of drugs, which include pain pills, which are opioids or opiates, um, hydrocodone, oxycodone, methadone, and then I'm also including heroin. Um, yeah, so- not many people understand that often the term opioid is often is most commonly thought of as a prescription pain medication that you would get for ha- perhaps from your doctor or take from a family member. But heroin is within that same family of drugs. Absolutely right. Hence, people seek that as an alternative, a cheaper and more available alternative. Absolutely. Um, so just a little medical history in a way is that you know, we always hear about opium, and you know, opium is used uh, to make morphine, or morphine, I should say, is in is in poppies, which is where opium comes from. And uh, heroin actually uh, was invented in the late 1890s by the Bayer Company, believe it or not, to combat morphine addiction and to be used for pain. So we actually have a long history of heroin use in this country that dates back greater than 100 years. So this and is medical use. And medical use. And physicians actually prescribed heroin up until the 1920s when we found that perhaps it was even more dangerous than morphine. Heroin in your body turns into morphine very rapidly, but it enters your brain much faster and quicker than morphine does, which is why uh, heroin causes such high rates of addiction and abuse. It goes into your brain very quickly and causes euphoria and therefore down the line of addiction. But it's not just a psychological addiction. There really is a physiological addiction very quickly to heroin. Yes, absolutely. And to other opi- opioid drugs yes. as well. All opioid drugs and heroin all work within the body in the same degree. Um, some more so than others. Heroin may go into the brain a little bit faster, may cause more euphoria. But over time, all these drugs, hydrocodone, oxycodone, heroin, they all work in the body the same way. Well, there's a, a, a clearly a new recognition nationwide um, to try to control the numbers of prescription drugs that are being offered to patients. I mean, New York State has its iStop program. I know throughout the country there's a recognition that doctors should not be, you know, pain uh, mills handing out these kinds of drug prescriptions because it causes addiction and then leading to this kind of illicit addiction or, you know, going for these street drugs like heroin. 
Go ahead. Absolutely. You know, in the 1990s, um, there was a great emphasis on taking care of patients' pain, and we actually refer that as to the fifth vital sign. Um, so actually, um, the Joint Commission, which is a group that basically credentials hospitals and physicians, um, said that physicians weren't taking care of pain well enough. Um, it's almost like the pendulum swung, swung exactly too far. Right. And um, unfortunately, as a result, um, opioid pain medications, hydrocodone, oxycodone, and so on and so forth, um, became uh, very popular prescriptions because indeed it, uh, it did take patients, away, uh, patients' pain away. Um, however, unknowingly, over the past 10, 15, 20 years, uh, we've been ca- causing a, a group of people to become addicted. Certainly not every person who uses an opioid pain medication is addicted or becomes addicted, um, but we do know that this is what has led to the heroin crisis now. More specifically, as you mentioned, uh, we have initiated iStop, which has been a great success, in fact. And that's New York State. And that's a New York State, um, but most states now do have, or a lot of states, have an online type of prescription system where they can look and see what prescriptions a patient is getting. So that they're not perhaps getting them illicitly and then selling the drug sure. or doing other or, things exactly. with the drug. Exactly, or just doctor shopping and getting multiple prescriptions. What we found out, though, is as a result of us stopping the amount of pills that people are taking or the amount of pills that are on the street to sell, this has now caused the heroin people or the heroin drug dealers to really move into the market. And this is what's so scary now, is that we're seeing heroin now that is purer than ever. We're seeing heroin that is cheaper than ever. And we're seeing it cut with very dangerous things, cut meaning other substances in it. Yeah, like you mentioned earlier on this fentanyl, which is another type of opioid, and that's being laced into heroin. Absolutely. And what does that do? Sure. So fentanyl is a very powerful pain medication we use in the hospital. Um, We use it in the emergency department for very serious injuries or in the operating room. Fentanyl has 100 times the potency of morphine and 40 to 50 times the potency of heroin. So when we use it in the hospital, we use very, very, very small amounts of it. Um, But now we're finding that this drug, fentanyl, is actually now laced into our heroin. Um, What is it? Why is it in there? Probably various reasons. Uh, Number one, it probably gets you higher. It definitely does. They have heroin and fentanyl in something. can cause, obviously, a pretty big high. And also it lasts longer than heroin. You know, so drug users are getting smarter. They're trying to get higher. Drug makers are getting smarter. And they're trying to really, really uh, grasp the vulnerability uh, of the people. So does this also increase the addiction rate? And does it also uh, increase the death from overdose? You know, the fentanyl in the heroin, I don't know if it increases the addiction rate because these are already people addicted, most likely, who are using these things. Um, We do believe um, that fentanyl indeed is increasing the death rate. Um, We are, you know can't at liberty just talk about a lot of these things, but you know, even when we talk to our, our counterparts at the medical examiner's office and law enforcement, we do know that fentanyl uh, is contributory to a, a lot of these heroin deaths. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on air. I'm Linda Cohen, along with toxicologist and emergency physician, Dr. Ross Sullivan. We're talking about the heroin epidemic and crisis, not only in New York State, but throughout the country. So what what happens when someone comes to the emergency room with an overdose because this is happening you know, more and more frequently? What do you do? Well, this is a great question, um, and this is where I think things are hopefully starting to change. Traditionally, when people came in with um, heroin or opioid overdoses, and we'll keep them all together, but heroin as well, uh, they would come in, and sometimes if they're not breathing, which is something that happens when you take too much of this drug, which can easily happen in an overdose situation, 
uh, we would give them Narcan or naloxone. And that's a n- relatively new phenomenon, isn't it? Well, Jer- Narcan naloxone's actually been around quite for quite some time. Um, I think its availability in the public sector is probably new. Uh, in the hospital, we've been using it for decades and decades. And, and what does it do? It actually blocks the um, the receptors, the areas uh, in the brain and the body where the heroin and the opioids bind to. And when these opioids and heroin bind to these areas, with if there's too much of it, it can cause a decrease in breathing or actually stopping breathing. Um, this Narcan and naloxone will actually block those receptor areas from the opioids getting to that area. Um, and in doing so, may even cause some of the drug to come out of the brain, out of the receptors, and they start breathing again. It, can, it saves so lives. So it's an antidote. We use it, we'll say an antidote, sure. Yep. But it doesn't in any way cure the problem. It, it, I mean, it prevents death from overdose at that moment in time, but it does nothing to the addiction. Absolutely correct. Yep, it will work that in that one time, and they will do nothing long term. So then what do you do? You give them the Narcan, yep. and then what? Well, we try to, well, we have to we'll observe them for some time, and sometimes they need more medical attention than just giving them Narcan. Um, you know, historically, all patients, you know, due to a lack of um, resources, you know, we would discuss what we would know about in terms of help, um, which oftentimes in hospitals, very little. Uh, if, you, if you have a hospital that does not have detox services, um, there's really not much you can do other than, you know, offer them a name and number and address of places where they, you know, where they can get help. There's been a lot of talk lately, and I'm curious about your perspective on this, about the fact that hospitals really can't offer an inpatient bed and can't a- admit patients who are experiencing, let's say, detox or trying to you know, get off of this stuff. Sure. And so they're really they're really out on their own. And that there's been talk as well that there isn't enough funds, there aren't enough sure. support funds for, um, you know, places to go to detox sure. and to, you know, rehabilitate yeah. yourself. Right. You know, in hospitals, you know, most of the times we, had, you know, we try to admit people who um, have life-threatening things. Obviously, an opiate overdose is life-threatening. Um, and historically, opioid withdrawal has been viewed as a non-life-threatening occurrence. It's uh, something that's very uncomfortable, and, and people become very, very sick, um, but not life-threatening. Um, I think, you know, I can't really speak for, you know, the healthcare insurance world, but I think part of it was is perhaps, you know, the people not being admitted because, well, they weren't going to die from it. And I also think that, I hate to say this, but I think a lot of, um, a lot of uh, physician um, what, what I'm trying to say, the way they feel personally maybe about the subject historically, I think also played a role. And I think that um, historically it wasn't viewed as, a, as an illness. You know, addiction's an illness. You know, this isn't, you, people don't wake up one day and say, I'm going to be an addict and throw everything away. You know, it is an illness. It's a chronic disease. And you're saying prior to this, people really saw it as a personal weakness. I think so. You know, and, um, and I think that that also plays a role into the amount of help that this demographic of people get. But today we really do need more and more rehab centers. And that I think the president recently has gone to a conference to recognize the need for this because of the widespread numbers of addicted people that we have. I think what we're learning is what we've been doing isn't good enough. It's the problem is getting worse. Um, And it's not the, the huddled masses and poor anymore. It is, we know for a fact now, it's the white middle class. It's people with insurance. It's people with jobs and families who are turning to heroin. Um, and the traditional way we've been trying to take care of these people, which is not very good, um, is not working. And we need more money. We need more funds. We need more people. And But all that starts with more understanding of the issue. Um, and that's, I think, what you know President Obama and some of his other 
gov- local governments are trying to accomplish. So what would you recommend to people who might know someone, either a family member or someone in their lives, who currently is having this problem? I mean, what, what do you say to them? What would you say to them? And this is the hardest, this is the hardest question to answer. Um, you know, who do you call? You know, um, we do know that there's um, state hotlines that you can call. Um, we do know now that uh, coming to hospitals now locally, that things are being put in place now to help get these people to areas. Uh, I always start to, to rehab centers. To rehab centers or to detox areas. And these aren't things, I'm, you know, that aren't perfectly ironed out yet. Um, but these are things now that are in the limelight uh, that are starting to come to fruition. You have to talk to your doctor. Um, you have to talk and call some of the uh, the hotlines. And sometimes I tell parents you have to just get down and dirty and get to the phone book, and you just have to make call after call after call. Help is not sometimes going to find you for this. You really have to go out and find the help, and it is there. There are unbelievable places around here that do detox and rehabilitation. Um, we have things within Upstate Hospital as well, and people here who do it. Um, but it's very it is hard to find. But, but in terms of the educational approach yeah. that's going on, obviously, not everyone is a youthful person. But I, I would think a lot of a lot of these people are of the younger demographic sure. who are addicted. I mean, is there anything that you know of in the little bit of time we have left that's going on within New York State or even locally mm-hmm. to try to educate kids as to how serious an addiction to heroin can Absolutely. be? You know, um, being affiliated with the Poison Control Center, you know, we have uh, quite a bit of initiatives now where uh, we have educators going out to schools. Um, I myself have met with uh, high school nurses and principals, so we're trying to get out to the schools locally. Um, we're trying to, uh, we're in the process of establishing a website where, you know, all drug-related information can be in one website that's easy to get to for people to go to and educate themselves on this. How do people contact the Poison Control Center if they want to right now? Well, they Is can it a 1-800 call, number? It's 1-800, I think, 222 Or it's one two two. I think it's two 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 one two two two. We'll have a link. We'll have a link on our website. And I do work there. I promise you that. But sometimes I do forget the number. That's okay. But even that would be a great resource to start with. I want to thank you very much for coming in and sharing all this with us. It is clearly a national problem and a local problem and something we all really need to understand, take stock of, and try to see some change, make some change. Thanks so much. My guest has been Dr. Ross Sullivan. He's the director of the Medical Toxicology Consultation Service and assistant professor in the Department of Emergency Medicine at Upstate Medical University. I'm Linda Cohen. You're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on Air.